<laughs> I open my uh, my chat here in the live stream. The first thing I get is Scott Helm. Fantastic. And Scott, thank you very much for reminding me of how you were in Oslo dining on delicious way down south barbecue. Uh, and I was just stuck here on the Great Barrier Reef, which is just seems really unfair on you. <laughs> okay. In case you guys haven't seen it before, go to Scott's uh, Scott's Twitter and look at Way Down South. This is, and I think Scott will agree with me here, the best barbecue any of us have had anywhere, and I've spent a bunch of time in Texas, <laughs> among other places in the US and around the world. Crazy, crazy. Scott is in a classroom in Norway. Hello, classroom in Norway. I should not know how to say hello in Norwegian by now, shouldn't I? It's probably, however I said it, it would probably be wrong, and I would be reminded constantly at home that... Uh, that when I said, I'm not even going to try something, she'll say something which sounds exactly like that, but to my ear. Anyway, I do the same thing in English. Adrian, yay for Scott Helm. <laughs> John, how much of the guitar lessons? I got a lot of mileage from that, haven't I? I'm really, really happy I wrote that blog post. Some people I embedded tweets from in that blog post got unhappy. I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, if you haven't read that, go and read it. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, Brendan says, what's all this about going south? It's called Way Down South. Just look at Scott's tweet thread, look at the barbecue shots, and uh, and you'll see it. Let me jump into things, because I am time-constrained today due to social commitments. <laughs> so jumping, oh, there you go, Scott's deep link to it in the Twitters. Jumping on to the sponsor, this week is Collide. Got Collide back again, device security that fixes challenging problems by messaging users on Slack. Try Collide for 14 days for free. Uh, Collide has now been a regular sponsor as well, so big thanks to them. Jumping over to their offer here, Endpoint Security, powered by people. Message your employees on Slack, providing customized security and compliance recommendations for their links, Mac and Windows devices, which, uh, which does cover rather a lot of them, does it? Doesn't it, rather? I've got to get my mind back into actually speaking and not being on a rocking boat anymore. I'll get to the boat. But uh, look, again, I really appreciate them being the sponsor and also providing something for free. So 14 days for free is good because you get to go and have a good taste of it. Makes me think of that barbecue again. <laughs> Brendan says hello in Norwegian is hello. That's handy. Thanks, uh, thanks, Brendan. <laughs> okay, let me uh, let me talk about a, a few little little cybery things that came up. It is beer o'clock here, by the way. So, hello, all of you who are out there in the morning drinking your coffee. Ah, oh, I saw the most awesome coffee machine today. I tweeted it. I was getting my uh, my coffee machine serviced, and uh, I got a nice coffee machine. But <laughs> I said to the guy, like. At some point in time, I really want to rebuild our kitchen for various reasons. And I want to have like a plumbed-in coffee machine. And when I say coffee machine, it's not one of these drippy, filtery things that are popular in some parts of the world we won't get into, but we would definitely never tolerate here in Australia. It is a proper espresso machine. And uh, I said, look, I'd like to have it plumbed in so you didn't have to keep topping it up with water. Because I do regularly run out of water in mine when you're halfway through pulling a shot. So I tweeted this five hours ago. It's, it's a coffee machine uh, that is, who makes this? Uh, Bezira. It's got an LCD display on it, which is good. But the cool thing about it is it's got LED lights on the side of it, which just look epic. And you can change the color of the LED lights as well. I wonder if I could plug that into Home Assistant and connect even more things, because I need more connected things. Speaking of connected things, 
Down here on my desk, I have a number of connected things. In fact, all of these arrived. Well, we're here waiting for them when I got home. So a bunch more Akera Zigbee temperature sensors, uh, temperature and humidity sensors. So I've got a heap of these in the house already. I must have, I don't know, 20. Uh, look, they're great. The batteries on these last for, they say, two years. I've had a lot of them for about two years, and I'm just starting to replace the batteries on some of them. So they're three volt CR, whatever, whatever batteries. I find that if they drop, all, all of them, I went and got a new multimeter the other day, all of them test at like 3.1 volts or something. As soon as they drop below three volts, they don't seem to want to play nice anymore. But it does get you a good solid, let's say 18 months to be safe. So these are super awesome because you can stick them anywhere. You don't have to wire them into mains. And I'm starting to use them more for things like, even I, I want to know when the air conditioner is on. So the reason I ordered four more of these is I thought, my air conditioner is dumb. There's no IR. There's nothing that I can easily plug into as a non-licensed electrician. But if I got one of these and I stuck it right on the vent that blows the air, I would assume that I could tell if the air conditioning is on with some degree of reliability. And the main reason for this is I want to get to like, it's the sort of turn of seasons here where we want the air conditioning on to go to sleep, but by about 2 a.m. I really want the air conditioning off. How do I do that? So I thought I'd have one of these, and let's say for argument's sake, it's blowing air at uh, less than 20 degrees. Then I can go, okay, it's blowing air at less than 20 degrees, hit the little switch bot, which manually pushes the button on the air conditioning to turn it off job done cool Vagif says too early and too expensive for beer in oslo it is expensive in oslo hasn't stopped us drinking a bunch of beer in oslo uh if i'm honest brennan says are the leds individually addressable though on the coffee machine good question i really don't know there is I have learned but never really looked into a whole coffee machine modding subculture. Let me Google this. Espresso machine modding. Espresso machine mods. And I'd seen a bunch of stuff around things like skins. Uh, let's just go straight to images. How cool does this get? So, yeah, people like printing their own uh, skins for coffee machines to make them look like, I don't know, a Dalek or an R2-D2 or something like that. But um, I'm sure there's a whole... What about espresso machine LED? See it under me, Brendan? <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm going to have even more IP addresses in the house. Well, some of these look pretty cool. Speaking of IoT, also had this one arrive today. So this is a Clever Life door and window sensor. Now, I have, for a very long period of time, dreamed of being notified when we get physical mail in the mailbox. And this is one of those like really little things in life, right? Where I think it would be just cool to know when there's mail in there. And I started out with an Akera vibration sensor. The thinking being that when the lid gets lifted up, the vibration sensor triggers and that's it. I don't know if it was just the Akera one or if the Zigbee range there is poor. I've got a bunch of Philips Hue mains powered zigbee lights very close to the letterbox so they should all act as repeaters but i just couldn't get a reliable signal out of it and then a few weeks ago i saw my good mate lars clint do a youtube video on wiring one of the well wiring it's wireless putting one of these in his letterbox on his farm 
and uh, and that seemed to work really well. So these are Wi-Fi. It looks like they'll tie into the Tuya ecosystem, which then integrates very well with Home Assistant. So I think my weekend project is going to be finally getting uh, getting the letterbox to give me a notification when mail comes. Now this is just a door and window sensor, so I assume it's effectively just a read switch. Uh, incidentally, I also tried the Kera versions of those, which I use in my garage doors and a couple of other places, and they didn't work too well, so maybe it is a Zigbee thing. So just a read switch, so it's only going to tell me when the letterbox is open or closed. Now, the problem there, of course, as I think through it, is like the mailman comes, opens the letterbox, puts the mail in, that triggers the event, you've got mail. I go out, I open the letterbox to get the mail, that's going to trigger the event, you've got mail. So I think maybe what I need is something that's more presence related for mail. So maybe we need like a little IR sensor or something, you know, like a, a sensor and a receiver, and if the mail is in there blocking it, then you've got mail. One of the most embarrassing aspects of my house is the mailbox. Uh, and I say that because it is a very shitty, cheap mailbox on a stake out the front of an otherwise very nice house. And there are many legacy reasons for that I won't go into at the moment. But my dream, along with automating my you've got mail, is uh, is to actually get a decent mailbox. So I think when I get the decent mailbox in there, I'll work out a more permanent solution. But this will do for now. Stratus says, G'day, Troy. I'll tweet you the best coffee machine ever. Don't do it to me. I'm going to end up with more IP addresses, aren't I? I'm going to be looking for that now <laughs> on my Twitter feed. I'm, I'm waiting for it. Oh, my Twitter feed's got lots of stuff in it. I have to come back to that. Moving on to other things. Uh, I have my Bluetooth back. Now, I had a really, really weird situation last week where I was approaching the end of my live stream and suddenly my mouse wouldn't move and I lost complete control of the keyboard and I couldn't do anything. And I'm here in the live stream and they're like, everything's broadcasting, but I can't stop it. And I'm like, okay, uh, you can all join me debugging this. And I'm wandering around grabbing different mices and keyboards and things like that. And I eventually steal my daughter's uh, wired mouse and keyboard, managed to get back control. Anyway, after that, I discovered that my Bluetooth device had just completely dropped out of device manager, like gone completely. And I tried the usual reinstall drivers, all that sort of thing, didn't work. Check for Windows updates, no joy. I went away on holidays. I'm going to talk about that in a lot of detail in just a moment as I get the iPad ready with all my epic photos to remind me <laughs> of what I'm talking about. And um, yeah, like I, I came back to it and went, all right, I've got to fix this, mostly because I use ergonomic keyboard and ergonomic mouse. And I must have, I must seriously have more than 10,000 hours on devices just like this because I've been using them for 20 years or something. So for me to go back to like a normal flat keyboard and flat mouse, my productivity just completely went out the window, uh, especially when I'm working on things like this book, which is still coming, and I've got a lot of typing to do. I needed to have this. So I devoted some time today, and someone actually said, uh, I put it on Twitter, someone said, go into your BIOS and check if Bluetooth is enabled. So I, I shut down, boot into BIOS, cannot find any settings for Bluetooth, and I'm wondering if it's because Bluetooth is done via an external card on this desktop Lenovo. It's not It's not on the motherboard or anything like that. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it doesn't exist in BIOS. Uh, couldn't find it anywhere. Booted back up. Suddenly it works. I don't know why. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of the classic have you restarted sort of thing. And I had restarted it multiple times. But we're back. 
Now, Brenda says, cat update. I put my laptop bag in my bed to grab something from it, and now the bastard of a cat's just chilling on the damn thing. Comfy. Please let us know if the status of the cat changes, Brendan. Uh, Strauss says, a video. So watch after the stream. This will be the coffee machine. Brendan, those of you who haven't seen the stream or the VOD in post but can't be bothered to do so, let's see if it convinces you. It was fun to watch <laughs> Troy somehow tame frustration. I just, I was more amused by the fact that I had suddenly lost complete control. And, and I, I must admit, I did consider, do I just pull the network cable <laughs> from the PC? Like, is that going to be my fix if I literally can't get control of the machine again? But we got there. Okay. Uh, to the point about guitar lessons, which, which goes back to this blog from some time ago, let's actually touch on that just to keep it a little bit on topic. How do I start with this? I wrote this November 2020, and this was in response to occasionally I would put things on social media which were not related to uh, InfoSec or IoT or, or even 3D printing, tangentially related to this whole space, and it would be something personal. And I think the one that, that tipped me over the edge, it must be, because I posted this on the 2nd of November 2020, and I'm a treat from the 1st of November 2020. Uh, and I just posted a tweet with Charlotte driving the boat and just like blue sky behind. And I was just like, Gold Coast days, you know, cool sunglasses. And someone was really unhappy. They haven't deleted this tweet too, which is interesting. <laughs> someone was very unhappy about my happiness. Theme in my life lately, and they said, um, "What is this hashtag show off by the privileged tech leaders nowadays?" Yeah, he quoted someone else who apparently is also enjoying their life. And me, we have pandemic and people struggling for existence. Climate crisis threatening our kids' future, and we're all about planes, boats, and huge houses. Hope I'm not just jealous. All the Twitter AI, ah. Uh, no, yeah, I think you're just jealous, mate. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's you're certainly not adding much joy to my life. Anywho, I I embedded this comedy skit from Ricky Gervais uh, from his humanity skit, uh, and it's it's called Guitar Lessons, and you you got to watch it in in person. Like watch the whole thing, the YouTube video, and it's only very very short, but it's very very Gervais in in the way he frames it. But he's, he's saying, you know, when people sort of pop up out of nowhere and they see something that you've shared socially on your platform and they are displeased with the thing that you have shared because it is not consistent with the content that they would like to consume from your profile and they whinge at you, it's, it's a little bit like if you walk down the street and you've got one of those like printed signs on a post somewhere and it's like guitar lessons and there's little tear off things with the phone number so you can take the phone number home and call the person. It's, it's like someone going up, tearing the thing off, going home, picking up the phone and going, I don't want fucking guitar lessons. It's like, well, why, why, why are you here then? Why, why are you engaging and telling me that? I don't care that you don't want it. And I guess the point that I was making here is that, you know, my social profiles are, are me and they are, they're all about the things that I'm interested in and that is predominantly infosec and tech stuff. There are other aspects of my life which are not those. Oh, I just had my IoT tell me the sun has set and the garage door is still open. There you go. Back to IoT. So there are other things in my life, and I know that Scott and I in particular very often have this discussion because he gets some of the same vitriol from people, where people are just just pissed that 
my content is not of interest to them. Now, there's a really, really easy fix to this. You unfollow me and you get on with your life. Now, to that effect, I put out a large tweet thread uh, around about just under 24 hours ago about the holiday stuff. And I look at analytics.twitter.com and I can see a very clear decline <laughs> in my followers. And that's absolutely fine. Like if you're not interested in this stuff, don't follow me. You don't have to announce your departure. It's fine. It's not a freaking airport. Anyway. So let me talk about this holiday. It's guitar stuff. And, and honestly, I'm going to talk about this until I run out of patience or you run out of questions. And then I'm going to drop off and go to my social thing. Uh, but it is all going to be about non-infosec stuff. This is the guitar lessons of the Troy Hunt show, the podcast. Um, we've been unable to really go anywhere else in the world uh, for two and a bit years. And it's really only very, very recently, as in the last couple of months, where we've had the opportunity to do that. So as a result, we've been doing things in Australia and particularly doing things around state because we have had borders closed. So doing things in our state of Queensland has been, uh, I guess, the path of least resistance uh, as it relates to holidays. Now, put in context, Queensland as a state, <clears throat> you know how people say, like, everything's bigger in Texas. Texas is so massive, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Queensland's twice the size of Texas. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um it's also our second largest state. <laughs> so you get to Western Australia and that's like massive again. So we've got a massive amount of land and we've really enjoyed having holidays in Queensland. Christmas before last, we drove all the way up to uh, Port Douglas, uh, a couple of thousand kilometres north, <clears throat> before we then drove to Uluru, you may previously have known it, Ayers Rock, in the middle of the country uh, and didn't done, uh, done things like that. So it's a great place with a huge amount of diversity and, and Queensland is very much Australia's holiday destination. Uh, Queensland is the home of the Great Barrier Reef, which we saw on that trip Christmas before last, uh, which we also saw Christmas just past when Charlotte and I went to Hamilton Island for, uh, for our Christmas. So we, we've had a lot of time around there, but we were deciding like what should we do for, for what is potentially one of, the, one of the last holidays we'll have before having the option to go overseas, which of course we now have. So we had planned on the 2nd of January to hire a private yacht and take the kids and my parents as well and have five nights away uh, on this yacht. And that was a really good plan until we all got exposed to our neighbours with COVID. And we, we actually preemptively uh, cancelled this trip on the basis of the fact that we thought there was a high likelihood someone would have caught it. And there was a massive uptick in this state in particular right at that time of COVID. And we just felt the risk was too high. So we, we managed to postpone it by a few months. Uh, in fact, geez, postpone it by, I guess, three and a half months. So this is actually a trip that we should have done back in the school holidays. We had to take the kids out of school. Instead, they were really upset about that. Incidentally, it's, it's, it's interesting. I know I've had this discussion with Scott many times. You said, like, in the UK, you can't take your kids out of school during school days uh, or you get fined. The way it generally works here is you say, I'm taking my kids out of school. I'm paying the bills. Uh, and so long as it's not going to conflict with things like exam periods or things like that, they're like, okay, <laughs> that sounds reasonable. I'm sure there's a threshold you could get to, but we managed to combine it with Anzac Day, Australian New Zealand Army Corps, big thing, World War One, etc., which was Monday. So we got to take them out of school for three days. 
Anywho, so we had this uh, this this yacht, and this is a this is a seventy foot sort of three berth uh, uh, setup. So we had a room, the kids had a room, mum and dad had a room, and the 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 I guess the attraction to it is like you get on the boat and you go out to the reef, which is almost completely out of sight of land, well and truly out of sight of land a lot of the time, usually out of any sort of cellular or definitely Wi-Fi range, just completely detached. And you go out on the Great Barrier Reef and you go out there with the crew who then takes you to do all the Great Barrier Reef things. So we sort of package it all together, inspect it. So we had a, a dive instructor. Um, I'd dived once before uh Ari had never, you can dive here, and I think it's probably similar in other parts of the world because it's all sort of under Paddy. You can dive once you're 12 years old. Uh, so he is, uh, he's going to be 13 this year, so he's almost, uh, he's reached the, <laughs> the 12 range. Shell had never dived before as well. So we had a dive instructor. And what was really cool about it is we, we sort of get on this boat and we're just like steaming out of the port at Cairns. And they're like, okay, so what do you want to do? Like, you get to decide every single day. Like, do you want to go to a sand cave? Do you want to snorkel? Do you want to spearfish? Do you want to dive? What do you want to do? Which was just totally, totally amazing. And that, that six of us in, in our family ended up with five crew. So we had uh, a captain, and he'd had about, he reckoned about 10,000 hours of diving experience, which is, which is kind of amazing. As much time as I spent on this keyboard. Uh, we had a, a second mate uh, who was also awesome. We had uh, a host who was, she'd sort of serve all the food and everything. We had a chef. He made just epic, epic meals. All this is in a tweet thread, by the way. And we had uh, we had the dive instructor. So we just literally got to spec every day. And the, the weather was a bit ordinary when we first got there. So we kind of went, okay, well, there's some things that are better for that kind of weather and other things that are not. Which reef will we go to today? Where will we moor? And uh, yeah, like we just we just got on this boat and bar two short excursions to to sand caves, we just spent the entire time on the boat. Half of us managed to avoid any seasickness. Um, I was fortunate to be in that half. <laughs> I won't name who the other three were, but it was very very minor, and people had seasickness tablets and things like that. But the, the thing about the reef is the reef protects pretty much the, the mainland from any wave. So one thing is, once you get to about Rockhampton in Australia and you get to the Great Barrier Reef, everything north of there, you don't have waves on the beach. They're, they're tiny. You go out here in Surface Paradise, which is named for a very obvious reason, and you've got great waves all the time because there's no reef. So as part of my tweet thread, there's a, a drone shot in there where I flew the drone almost a kilometre out uh, so that you could see the break on the reef and then you see the reef and all the beautiful colours and you see the boat like perched right on the edge of the reef and everything inland of that is smooth. Now, as the tide gets higher, more waves come through, you rock around a little bit, but for the most part, it's very, uh, very placid. It was kind of strange to get off the boat because <laughs> you felt like for a day afterwards, everything's still rocking backwards and forwards. But just flicking through the photos, you know, what's... What's noteworthy? And if nothing else, I would love to sell you on coming to Australia, if you're in Australia already, coming to Queensland, going to the Great Barrier Reef and doing whatever it is that suits your tastes on the Barrier Reef, but getting out there and seeing it because it is an absolutely fascinating, amazing place. It is one of the seven natural wonders of the world. Um, looking through the pics here, I mean, the, the stuff that's amazing is you know, obviously all the, the sea life. Um, 
I've got a lot of pics in there of things like just turtles. Turtles are awesome. Turtles were so chilled out, and you could like swim right up to them, whether you're snorkeling. So our, our daughter did a heap of snorkeling, or whether you're, you're scuba diving. Oh, we see a lot more then. Yeah, the, the wildlife and the turtles are just just out of this world. The giant clams, like clams that are, where am I in the middle of the frame? <laughs> if, if I was holding my hands apart, probably 50, 60, 70 centimetres wide, and they're sort of opening and closing, and you're just down there looking at a gun. Wow, that's, that is the most bizarre <laughs> looking thing ever. A lot of that sort of thing. Uh, black tipperish sharks. We saw lots of sharks. And... Uh, for the Norwegians here, <laughs> so someone there said they're from Norway earlier on. It's, it's quite funny because Charlotte always says, "Look, um, every time there's like a shark attack or anything like that in Australia, it's always on the front page of the news in Norway." So they're scared shitless of sharks, and she has had two and a bit years now of being conditioned to being in the water. Uh, fun fact: I don't know if it's fun, but since recorded history in Australia there has been less than one fatal shark attack per year. I don't know how many road deaths there are per year, but I'm pretty sure it's more than a 1,000. So just as a, like, a, you know, where is your risk? I don't know how many deaths there are from people riding horses every year, but I know it is a lot more than one. So in terms of relative risk, the sharks aren't the problem. Now up there, these black tip reef sharks are, are really just curious. And uh, the, the first day when we were snorkeling, like we saw one swimming around, we're like, holy shit, it's a shark. But it was cool because there wasn't a, a fear about it. It was just a fascination that you're in there with the shark that would have been, I'd say probably about one and a half metres long. I think the, probably the biggest we saw was maybe a couple of metres long. Smallest ones we saw were probably about 40 centimetres. I think I put a video of that in there. We were standing on a sand cave and we're just like watching these little sharks swimming around. Uh, and by then, this was the last day, the kids saw them and they're like, oh, sweet, I want to go and, I want to go and snorkel <laughs> so we can see the sharks better. I think the, the highlight for Ari, it was great he could do the diving, he loved the diving, but he said the best thing was the spearfishing. And for those of you with kids of that age or if you can remember yourself at that age, which is some time ago for some of us, I think when you get to that age, you're, you're looking for all of the opportunities you can take to be more mature and to do more adult-like things and depart this child world. And for Ari, having started high school this year, we've noticed a big shift in him the last few months where he's just really... He's maturing, becoming a man and wanting to do more of these things. So he really wanted to do the spearfishing. And there was never a question. It's just like, yeah, sure, if you want to do the spearfishing, you can have a loaded spear, no problems. So he and I and, and the captain of the boat did a bunch of spear fishing and the the first day we went out he he got a, a couple of really decent fish uh, which was great there's uh of course there's a whole range of different fish out there a bunch of stuff is just completely pointless like you're never going to spear a shark or something i don't even know if it's protected but you did never do that and so, as much as some of you don't like sharks <laughs> you just wouldn't do that a coral trout on the other hand Absolutely, fair game. And the reef is divided into different areas. There are some areas where they're completely protected. You cannot take anything under any circumstances. There are other areas where you can have commercial fishing. And there are places in the middle, I can't remember which one's the green zone and the yellow zone, uh, where there's recreational fishing. So you can use a fishing rod or you can use a spear. And you can go and fish for personal consumption. So we, we ate everything that we caught or we used it to catch more fish. And uh, and he was just super, super stoked being able to, like, 
take this spear, snorkel around. You're on a snorkel and, and a, a lightweight belt and just like diving down, spearing fish, taking them back to the boat and the, the chef would cook them up for dinner. But I think possibly the highlight and the thing that's going to stick with him, and I put this in a tweet thread, was uh, the second time we went out spearfishing, so he was a little bit more comfortable by then. He nails this fish, and uh, he's got this fish, and it's it's on the end of the spear. I'm just trying to find the photo so I can accurately describe the excitement of it. So he's got this, it's on the end of the spear, and of course what you've got to do then is sort of go down and get the fish off the spear and, and chuck it back on the little support uh, tender that we had following around. And uh, here's the series just here. So he's got this, and there's always a little bit of excitement. It's kind of nice spear fishing because you get to choose what it is you catch as opposed to normal fishing where it's like, who knows? But of course, once you catch it, it's not like normal fishing where you can't really chuck it back once you spear it. So you got this fish, and it's on the end of the line, on the end of the spear, and, and next moment, this, this reef shark just comes up and grabs the fish, and we're, we're trying to, like, fight this reef shark off because this is our fish. Like, we caught the fish. And there's photos in here of, of the, the captain, like, going down, just trying to push the reef shark away, and then he, he sort of does that, and he comes back, and he's got the fish, and then the shark keeps coming up, and Ari and I are there, and the shark is, like, circling around. There's a video there. And uh, I'm glad I had the peace of mind to, like, stop fighting the shark and get the GoPro out and just take some stills and some video. But both our spears are unloaded. He just shot something. I just shot and missed something. So we've got, like, the blunt end of it. And I just remember one occasion that the shark is, like, coming up. Not, not for us. We never felt threatened, but coming up for the fish. And I'm, like, literally bumping it in the head, trying to get rid of it, but also not wanting to hurt it because it's a beautiful part of the wildlife. And that was just... Um, yeah, that was just totally fascinating to like be there. I'm just watching the video now with this shark circling around, and you're like, I don't know, it would have been interesting to see my heart rate <laughs> watching it back now. I don't recall feeling, I don't recall feeling frightened. I, th I think it was more like, okay, how are we going to do this? Where we get to keep our fish and uh, and also not hurt the guy. Uh, and there's a bit at the end, I think you can hear the captain when he comes up and he's like, you know, that, that, that was interesting. If, if it had been something bigger, we probably would have just given it the fish and, and left. Uh, but no, they're black tip reef sharks. They're cool. We have a look at these comments. I'll take a little sip of beer here. Stratus, if you and Charlotte love The Matrix and are visiting Sydney, The Matrix sure and show you both <laughs> most of the filming locations. Lee, Australia is great and all. But ever been to NZ? Yes, yes, I have. Uh, a couple of times, actually. I've been to Queenstown snowboarding. I've been to Auckland. I've been to Waiheke Island. We will go back there at some time. It's so convenient. Uh, but yeah, yeah. No, actually, New Zealand is amazing for, for many, many reasons. Um, so yeah, we'll get back there. Australia says, I want to do the Great White Cage Diving in South Australia. Yeah, that would... In a cage, <laughs> in a cage, there or uh, in Cape Town or something like that would be amazing. KJ Loves Coffee says, funny you mention horses. The most lethal animal in Australia by a number of deaths per year is the horse followed by the cow. What are people doing to cows? Like, are you choking on them? What does that happen? Australia horse deaths per year. How many of those? 20, 20 per year. All right, there you go. Although 20 deaths per year in Australia are few in number and yields a mean annual rate of 0.13 deaths per 100,000 population, 
The rate in terms of horse-riding participants is in the order of 7.8 horse-related deaths death per 100,000 participants per year. Okay. Moral of the story, uh, play with sharks, avoid horses. Um, I imagine mosquitoes rate up there as well. Probably less so in Australia, more so in other parts of the world. Anyway, back on topic. So, uh, yeah, the spearfishing was was just amazing. There, there is something sort of very you know, primal about that as well. We, uh, we had the very tail end of what we refer to as the stinger season here in Australia. So you know how everything in Australia is going to kill you, except for the sharks, which are actually quite cool, but, you know, the horses. <laughs> we have stingers as you go further north. And we, you know, we had to deal with this Christmas this year and we were up there in Christmas last year where some of them are like deadly, deadly serious, like irukandji and box jellyfish, as in uh, you might die if you get stung by one of these. It's extraordinarily rare for anyone to get stung, but as a precaution because the the consequences are so bad. And I I guess unlike a horse or a shark, it's a bit harder to see coming. So because of that, people do wear uh, stinger suits, which means either effectively a lycra suit, uh, which is pretty much exactly what it sounds like, head-to-toe lycra, or most of the time when, when I was diving, I just, just wore a full wetsuit. And the water must have been like 25 Celsius or something. like It was very warm water. So you end up having to wear this suit. And then it sort of begs the question, okay, so what is left exposed? Well, typically the bit of your feet between the fin and the suit, your hands, and if you don't wear a hood, your, your head. <clears throat> and you've got to sort of decide, like, how much risk do you take? So... Our, uh, our daughter did get a, get a blue bottle. So a blue bottle is a, pretty, is a pretty minor jellyfish. I've certainly been stung by them in the past. It's not fun. It hurts. There are various ways of dealing with the sting. Some of you know what I mean, but there's also like vinegar and stingos and things like that. <clears throat> and she got stung just on the side of the face near her left ear. Uh, I'm not sure how much it upset her because certainly by the time I actually saw her again because I'd been out spearfishing or scuba diving or something like that she was fine but she just had a rash like she wasn't crying or anything like that she's nine the dive instructor in fact this was the host that she was out there with got stung on the lip so after that our daughter sort of wore a hood which was i think the term is uh, out of an abundance of caution but you know get stung on the you can't really cover the lip because your mask goes down here but it's again that that's a pretty minor minor jellyfish um, so fortunately, not too bad. That was probably the probably the worst by any reasonable measure thing that came out of it, other than the three people who were a little bit seasick. Uh, what else was in here? Drone. I did take the drone, and I mentioned this in the tweet thread, but um, I did a very minimal amount of drone flying for several reasons. Uh, one of them being probably for about half the trip, the wind was blowing about 20 knots and that worried me for several reasons I, i'm just i don't know the drone well enough yet to know how far it gets knocked around by 20 knots i also don't know how much ability i have to fly into the wind when it's 20 knots and when you think about you have ocean everywhere and then this very very small platform which is a boat my landing zone is very very limited and if I was downwind of the boat and I couldn't get back up, it's like it's going in the ocean. That's that's all that's going to happen, and that's going to be an unvery, a very, very unpleasant thing. And then the, the final thing was, you know, it was a reasonable-sized boat. 70 foot is a decent boat. But 
uh, the back had uh, tenders on it. And then the front has everything from like anchor to hatches and things like that. So the actual amount of space where you can cleanly land a drone in wind was very, very limited. And then the two sand caves we went to uh, were drone-free areas because it's got a lot of protected bird life on there. And apparently, I'm not sure if it's birds don't like drones or drones like don't like birds. They're probably more interested in protecting the birds. So you can't fly the drone on the, on the sand caves. So I only sort of had a couple of days where it's like, I, I think I'm confident enough to take enough risk to take off the boat, do a little bit of footage, and then fly it back. So I actually got much less than what I expected. We got back yesterday, and I got up this morning at uh, at about 5 o'clock, which is pretty normal for us here, uh, and sat outside as the, as the sun was coming up, and it was this beautiful, like, orange sunrise. I thought, ah, oh, this would be perfect be perfect for some drone footage so i'll do more of that from home uh, and post more of that because it, it is kind of epic um <clears throat> didn't post this kids jumping off the roof of the boat that was a highlight for them there's something about kids jumping off high things into water which will just never get old <laughs> i think we we have all either done that or wanted to do that at some time as children so uh so they enjoyed that with their stinger suits on of course and um <clears throat> Yeah, so we sort of finished that up. Took the uh, twenty-minute ride to the airport from the harbour to our flight back to, to Brisbane. We left from because there's a few more flights from the Gold Coast. Came home and that's it. The kids went back to school today. So it was a sensationally amazing holiday. And again, I would strongly, strongly recommend for anyone that is uh, that is interested in Australia or Queensland on a Great Barrier Reef, like go and see that at some time. Uh, you do definitely see signs of decay in the reef. You see a bunch of bleaching and dead coral. The first time I ever went to the reef, I was, gee, I was probably Ari's age, probably at 12 years old. I, I don't have a lot of recollection of that, but it is obvious that there is a, a degree of decay. <clears throat> so it might be one of those things that's sort of better to see sooner rather than later. So that was it for that trip. Um May, I'm not going anywhere. We're, we're pretty much staying home in May. In June, I will be heading back out there. June, we have got NDC in Melbourne, so I will be down there in Melbourne. Uh, Ari will be down there doing a coding for kids class in Melbourne, which we're very excited about. I have, uh, I wonder if I've actually got him up on the speakers list yet. That'd be very exciting for him. I wonder if they've got me up there on the speakers. Why am I not there? I'm meant to be there. I think I'm going to be there. We've got history, man. Come on. <laughs> okay, well, for some reason, it just can't find me. Uh, no, Ari's not there yet. We will get him up there on the speaker. I don't think he's there. No, nope. get him up there on the speaker's page. So if you're in Melbourne and you have kids and you want to give them instruction of coding, Ari's going to do this little course, which I think would be really, really cool. Great for him, great for the kids as well. I have mentioned before that Charlotte and I will be in Tasmania after that as well. Be First trip to Tasmania for both of us. We are trying to arrange uh, a meet up there. So, if you're in Tasmania, there's not there's not a lot of people I think in our industry in Tasmania. Uh, we do have a thing coming. I'm going to be able to announce that shortly. Final comments. Stratus says that's why I love swimming in a pool only. Nothing to eat or sting you there. Yeah, but it's boring. It's boring by comparison, Stratus. Get out there, enjoy it. So with that, I'm going to drop off. I've got my social thing to go and do. I will uh, come back to you next week from home. I think next week I might, well, what 
am I doing next week? Yeah, next week I'll try and do it earlier in the day. That'll be coffee o'clock instead of beer o'clock. Uh, thanks very much for watching. I know this was very much off topic. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, looks like we've got the same number of people that would normally be there anyway, so it can't be too bad. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Thanks for watching.